Hello and welcome to the This Awesome Life podcast, a collection of stories that point to purpose. I'm Brandon and I have an awesome life, but that's not special because you do too. In every episode of This Awesome Life, we'll talk to a friend, we'll listen to their story, and we'll hear about the moments in which God has shown up in their life and pointed them forward in their calling. Today we're talking to my friend David Rubelid. David's a discipleship pastor at Life Church Peoria and one of the hosts of the Evolution Faith podcast. Today, David and I talk about his journey from music to pastoring, some of his faith struggles along the way, and how we can find our purpose by leaning into Jesus. So let's dive in, explore some stories, and celebrate this awesome life. Speaking of stories, did you know that every cup of coffee has a story? That's right, from planting to harvesting to processing all the way to your cup, coffee has a unique journey that has a lot to teach us about our own journey. And that's why I wrote the book, Magic in the Mug. In this book, we're gonna discover the coffee process one step at a time and learn life lessons along the way about what each step has to tell us about our own personal journey in discovering our purpose. If you're looking for a life of purpose, you can discover it here one sip at a time with Magic in the Mug, available now on Amazon or by going to magicinthemug.com. Pick up your copy today. Well, hey, everyone. Like I said, I am here with my new friend, David Rubelid. And uh, man, really excited to talk to you today. I am so excited to hear your story. Um, We've got a lot in common. It's going to be super fun. But before we jump into that, uh, David, tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you're up to these days. Yeah, uh, I was born and raised in Colorado Springs, a Christian family. I had a crazy uh, upbringing in a really unique church culture known as fundamentalism. And uh, so if you see like happy, shiny people, uh, it was kind of my movement. And I really got into music and my parents were the first family to like really divorce in that church. And so that kind of put us in a different category. Um, My dad in the 70s, I didn't know this until this point, he worked at a record store. And uh, in fundamentalism, you know, rock music is like from the devil. And so he never talked about it. And when I was starting to get into music, he, he... pulled down his old records out of storage and that was kind of our connecting point. And so oh, wow. I tell people music took me out of fundamentalism and helped me root me in kind of a different way and a different uh, thought process around church. Um, and I, I played music semi-professionally starting at the age 15 and okay. kind of that, that was my, my passion. I'm dyslexic. I didn't do well in school. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff. I'm like, music is it, music is it, music yeah. is it. And, focus on music, uh, tried Bible college there in Omaha, Nebraska for a year and, uh, really struggled there. So I moved back and just played music full time. And in that kind of what triggered was a wrestle with my faith as well. Um, I, I wrestled through the majority of my twenties and what I learned was it wasn't just me kind of intellectually picking apart the faith, even though that's what it felt like it was. Um, yeah. It, it was me wrestling with trauma from how I was raised in kind of a right. spiritually abusive environment. And uh, once I started figuring that out, um, I, I was able to face a lot of stuff. And so that was probably a decade-long wrestle with faith. Um, I know kind of the term these days is deconstruction. Um I don't know what I would call it other than the fact it was really hard. Um, right. 
And so that was through most of my 20s. And through my 20s, um, kind of my story is, is music was how I made a living. Right. But my, my highest pain opportunities were the church. And so I connected with the church when I left Bible college at first, not because I wanted to do ministry, but because right. they paid the bills. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of, that was kind of what held me in the church. I got married and we had a son and through different financial struggles, uh, I talked to church into bringing me on salary and then over time moved to California to take my first full-time worship uh, position. So, okay, yeah. So um, that was kind of my entrance into kind of full-time ministry. And, yeah. 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 That's awesome. So um, you said you kind of were in the music scene, like things were going well. Like what was the goal? Was Were you trying to be, you know, like the rock star kind of thing? Or was that, was that the move? Yeah, I was pretty... Uh, I was pretty holistically focused. I didn't just have a specific uh, goal. So I did sure. the artist thing, um, songwriter, singer-songwriter. Um, but I also instrumentally uh, originally was a drummer, and so okay. and then guitar, bass, keys. And then I worked in and out of recording studios. So when I was uh, in high school, uh, I was an intern at a recording studio that was like okay. where like Phil Kagey and his whole crew oh, was. Nice. And so, so doing the production and the engineer thing, uh, I got a lot of that under my belt as well. So, gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. And so, like you said, that kind of got you into the church, um, doing worship, doing ministry like that. Um, but that's not, that's not where you're at these days, right? Like what, no. uh, what's your position now? Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, I, I'm currently an associate pastor and I oversee discipleship and outreach. And in that is kind of bundled up in teaching. So I'm actually okay. really passionate about teaching, teaching scripture, teaching theology, helping people think and wrestle through different concepts about God and what the Bible yeah. teaches. So, yeah, that's awesome. So how did you make that jump? Is that how you kind of, you feel <clears throat> like you feel like you're yeah. like living your purpose now and you know, how'd you, how'd you get there? Cause that seems like a fun, fun road, you know? Yeah, there were, there were definitely a couple mile markers in, and I'll be honest with you. I, I've, when, when God has changed my direction at different points in my life, I've kind of fought him on it a little bit. Sure, so, sure. So, um, yeah. yeah, one, so I was in San Jose, like I said, that was my first full time, like church okay. position. I was there for five years and it, it was amazing. Uh, I was part of kind of the start of what's known as the Silicon Valley Worship Leader Network. I worked okay. with artists that used to play for Bill Graham bands. You'd know some of the names I mentioned from like 60s and 70s sure. hippie bands. Yeah. And uh, I had a recording studio there. I mean, it was a beautiful studio. Yeah. And so anyway, what wound up happening in 2013, I sensed that God was like, hey, you need to put out a new album. And I don't normally like, I'm not like, hey, God told me like, this is not a part of my sure, nature, but sure. I just, I sense that. So I actually made the announcement January 1st of 2013. The minute I made the announcement, I had people knocking on my door from just past experiences. So I had five record labels talking to me. Um, okay. And one of them, I got off the phone and I was like, I was like, you know, like basically, I they're they're gonna give me a loan for thirty thousand dollars, and I'm gonna work it off, and then the best I can get is fifty fifty split after that. I'm like, that's a horrible deal. Like, yeah, that's a real, and that's that's and that's a good deal if you know the music world. Okay. So, yeah. I reached out to my friend Brad Knight. Brad, uh, he's a guy who produced um, 
Cody Carnes and Kerry Job's early okay. stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, he was a drummer for the Desperation Band. He was in Gunger. He was a drummer for Lincoln Brewster. Oh, wow. And I just reach out to him because I did him a ton of favors years ago. And yeah. I was like, hey, man, if I did an album with you, uh, how much would you charge me? I expected him to give me like an enormous, gigantic right. number, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you know what? I'll tell you what. He's like, I'll do that for seventeen hundred bucks, and then, uh, and then he's like, on top of that, I'll throw in Chad Carruthers, who he's the music director right now for uh, Israel uh, and okay. New Breed. He's like, I'll throw him in with, within that budget if you give him co-rights to your single. I was like, deal, man. And Done. so, yeah. So I put out this single, and there was a lot of buzz around it. So I negotiated a radio promotion. Uh, deal where i had international radio airplay started working with world vision and then moved over to food for the hungry as you know yeah. if you go to a christian concert and they're yeah, you know yeah. they talk about you know yeah, sponsorship absolutely. i was i was you know that guy and um so anyway it was there was all this this hype within my family so i went to my pastor who was a really good friend of mine super supportive of my music okay. um and i told him this was fall of 2013 i said hey man I think I need to consider being done working in church oh, wow. okay. and, and go on tour, pursue my music. And he was kind. He said, David, I'll give you a year to figure that out. You could fly wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do. I'll give you a year. Okay. He said, but after that year is done, you need to tell me if you're in or out. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so I was like, I was like, great deal, man. I literally got on a flight the next day to visit my parents in the Phoenix area here. Um, and, uh, and we were going on vacation and they attended a very large prominent church here in the Phoenix area. And so I, I go to church with them on Sunday morning and it turns out I know some of the people that are involved there within the worship okay. ministry and music world. And they called me Monday. So the next day, Monday morning and asked if I was interested in a job. And I told them no, because right. I'm like, no, I'm going to do my music thing. And, uh, and my flight got canceled. And uh, and anyway, long story short, yeah. when my flight got canceled, they talked me into coming in the next day. And I went and I was interviewed and took a job there. And while oh, I wow. was there, I originally was going to be an artist in residence. So it was okay. kind of like, hey, you play music here, uh, uh, but we're going to give you access to a recording studio. You could do your own thing. When you're gotcha. here, you play at our church. And so that was kind of the deal that I was going to have with them. Yeah. And what I found pretty quickly was that there were a lot of interns in the creative arts department in the youth department that weren't being discipled. Gotcha. And so I just said, hey, uh, three o'clock on Mondays, um, I'm going to just... We're going to gather. I didn't call it anything sexy, any like weird right, acronyms right. like yeah. most pastors do or anything. Yeah. I just said, you know, we're just going to have discipleship time. <laughs> and okay. so we, for that entire first summer I was there, uh, we just met every Monday and there were like 20, 30 people coming to it. Oh, wow. And uh, our our communications director just pulled me aside. She was one of the founding members of the church. And she said, Dave, I, I think you're called to be a pastor. And I'm like, nah, you're crazy. You know? And, uh, yeah. and, uh, it was there that she talked me into going before our lead pastor and, and basically just asking what he thought. And he affirmed it, which talked me into, uh, right. putting me through a ordination track where, uh, you know, they put me through, 
um, a discernment process. They put me before the elders. I had a mentor for two years for like uh, pastoral formation. Sure. Then they put me before the church uh, where, you know, they basically said, if you have a problem or any reason why David shouldn't be, you know, all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, and then they ordained me uh, in 2017. And uh, just... Real quick, right after that, uh, literally, I had one of those senses again where God's like, hey, you're done with music ministry. It was almost oh, wow. like God was like waiting for me to <laughs> finish yeah, that make ordination. Yeah, that connection, yeah. And, and, uh, and I fought him on it for about a month, and then I kind of had a breakdown, like it kind of happens when you run from what God's calling you to do. I kind of yeah. had a breakdown. And I was sitting with a friend at a coffee um, shop, and we just prayed and I just said, God, I'm open to whatever you have for me. And the next week I got a phone call from a Christian school that wanted me to teach Bible uh, full time. They were offering me a full time okay. job. And then uh, my brother-in-law who was at a little Anglican church. I, I was at a mega church, a little Anglican church yeah. in California. He said, I want you to be my associate. So I prayed for five months pressing into the Lord on that. Oh, wow. And yeah. decided he still wants me in pastoral ministry, so yeah. so that's where I moved out of music into yeah. uh, pastoral ministry, yeah. into like teaching and discipleship yeah, and sure. stuff. So that's yeah. awesome. I really feel like as we're kind of discerning, like what's what's my purpose? It's usually not some massive earth shattering moment, right? It's these little yeah. little steps along the way, and I feel like there was that moment in your story where you saw a need with these musicians and you were like, how can I, how can I lead them? And, and God used something that you were just doing for a moment yeah, to, to change the course of your life and point you in the right direction. So I think, you know, as you started that group with these musicians, what was the goal there? Just like, Hey, we want to have more musicians or studying the Bible. Like what was, what does it kind of look like? Were you trying to create? My, my yeah, thing ahead. was, yeah. yeah, my thing was to help them uh, connect the relational leading of God uh, through the Holy Spirit, their 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 discipleship with to Jesus and with Jesus, right? To connect that to their entire life. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't have it in me at that time. I didn't have any like, oh yeah, we need to build up our ministry. I just saw that right. these kids. Um, and if you're part of certain church cultures, especially in the one that I, that I was a part of, there's a sense of like, no ministry life is the best thing you can do for God. So when you're serving, you're connecting with him. Right. And I see that as an issue because you can do good things in the name of Jesus, but not step in step with him as you're doing it and sensing yeah. his, his rhythm in that. And I just saw there was a lack of that and just a bunch of kids that were excited about what was happening in ministry. But I'm like, where are they in relationship to Jesus and the unity with Jesus? And how is that influencing every part of whatever they do, whether yeah. they continue on in ministry or like they work for UPS or something <laughs> like, you know, right. Right. And so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what I wanted to dig into. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's so easy, especially sometimes if we're, you know, worship leaders or uh, you know, really with, I think worship leaders probably the most, cause you can kind of really go through the motions and make it look super authentic, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that's true of most other ministries, youth ministry, teaching ministry, whatever, but there's just something about worship, you know, if if you, as a teaching pastor, if you just can't get into the word, you probably can't 
preach very many sermons, right? Cause it's going to be hard yeah. to like communicate something you don't have. But with worship ministry, sometimes it feels like it's easier to s- you're playing someone else's song and you can kind of like fake yep. it, you know, a little bit. And so how, what were you seeing in that discipleship time where some of the big takeaways for these, for these younger musicians? Yeah, I think there were some aha moments with identity um, yeah. and what, what we work out of. And so um, I was pushing them that a lot that, that um, their identity isn't their service. Um, right. Uh, having kind of a holistic life approach between worship, community, and service with actually be everything being driven down from their personal relationship yeah. with God. Uh, because I, I do see that sometimes as a cart before the horse thing, uh, yeah. a backwards thing. And I think sometimes the way we pitch uh, serving Jesus and serving in the church and this, that, and the other, um, we kind of put the cart before the horse. Like, like this is how you grow in Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think that's true for the people that have a serving gift, like a spiritual gift of serving. I okay. think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, but I think for a lot of people like myself, like hospitality and service are my lowest spiritual gifts. Okay. So for me, uh, I think the healthiest approach is realizing that I'm doing this because it's within the heart of Jesus that is driven down from my relationship right. to him. First and foremost, yeah. Yeah, man, that's so good. Yeah. What do you find similar now between that and, and your role now that maybe is surprising, you know? Like if you're doing just general discipleship, not necessarily to musicians, what what's something surpri- a surprising similarity, I guess? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's the same conversations. Because yeah. when we were, in, we were in those meetings early on that I'm telling you about uh, with with the, the students and the interns and stuff, um, we were just talking about life. We weren't necessarily yeah. talking about the role. Um, I've had opportunities. Like I, I was an adjunct at Arizona Christian University where everything was really focused on third year worship arts students. Okay. And so, so we, I had to kind of like always turn it towards that. Um, sure. But I think my approach for discipleship always is getting in the lives of people. And that's not necessarily... Not necessarily. It's mostly not just talking about yeah. their role in their service. Right. Yeah. 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 That's good, man. That's good. Well, hey, sort of a subject jump here. I'd love, I remember you talked about like sort of the faith journey and some of the like deconstruction, reconstruction, whatever. Um, yeah. I feel like I'd love to just talk about that for a minute because I yep. feel like today when someone approaches this this topic of deconstructing, they come to it with the goal of tearing it down and leaving mm-hmm. it torn down. But when you entered this process, for you, it was more of a let's dig into this thing to see what's true and rebuild the faith yep. in a way that's authentic. And so what? I guess what was your mindset going into that? Mm-hmm. And, and what do you see as some of the challenges for people who come to the table with the goal of tearing it apart, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually not opposed to tearing it apart if the right reason is there. Um, and I, yeah, and uh, I, I know we probably don't have time to get into that whole philosophy <laughs> of what I just said. But my, so here was my approach um, when, when I was wrestling with faith, and I was in just to toss out some names. So mm-hmm. I planted a church with Michael Gunger, who is okay. like one of the. So we were part of this whole, like, this isn't your grandparents' church and we're doing weird stuff. And, you know, like that was kind <laughs> yeah, of our, yeah. our thing. But 
But when I approached it, what I said honestly is I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to responsibly evaluate Christianity. Right. Like I'm not just gonna yeah. throw it out because I'm like, you know, I have misconceptions of something. Like I'm honestly gonna evaluate it and it responsibly. And if I find that it is not valid, I will throw it out. Right. Um, that was that was how I started. Yeah. But what I found was that in my attempts to be responsible, I actually found that even though I wrestled with either the fundamentalism I was raised in or some of the evangelical Christian subculture that, I mean, that I've just been in and out of through the years, even though I could be honest and say that I wrestle with that, um, what I found is as I actually looked at, man, Christianity didn't start in America during the revivals. It started right. 2,000 years ago when Jesus handed it to the, the disciples. And then the disciples disciple people. So you have like John with Polycarp. Right. And then those disciples, they're called the apostolic fathers, then discipled the early church fathers. And you have patristics all the way up to the 700. What I found was I actually found that that whole realm of the first, I would say, three, 400 years of Christianity, they were asking questions and wrestling with the exact same things I was. Right. And so none of it was new. Yeah. And so yeah. I actually found my rooting of my faith. My my uh, my spiritual fathers became the early church fathers. Right. And so for me, that's kind of how it worked. And I realize that's not how everyone works. My biggest concern, I'm not opposed to a deconstruction process. I think yeah. that I think it has to happen for many reasons. And uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that one of the main things I speak about is religious trauma. Right. Religious trauma. There's so much wrapped up in so many things that are just balled together that you yeah. have to start pulling them apart. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm not opposed to that. My concern is right now, and hear, hear my concern in this, my concern yeah. right now isn't deconstruction. My concern is that people leaving rigid forms of either fundamentalism or conservative evangelicalism that they've been hurt by, and they just find an institutional messiah in another rigid system that right. now just is the opposite of those values and theologies, but they're just as mean. They're, they're just as, uh, as, as angry. Uh, they're just as canceling. And instead of healing and just finding your place within the, the, um, the Christian tradition, <laughs> biblically yeah, yeah. and historically finding like for me, I find a lot of my place within the patristics, which means some of my theology looks less like like Western evangelicalism and more sure. like even some of the Orthodox church. Yeah, um, yeah. Instead of saying, okay, historically and biblically, I'm going to find my place within it, it's, it, it's a lack of healing and it's pain that's driving all reactions. So yeah. that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree with that. I think a lot of the a lot of the outspoken, you know, deconstructionists are communicating from a place of pain and you can see it. Yeah. Um, man, it's so, it's heartbreaking. So it's unfortunate yeah. that, to know that the answer is, and always has been Jesus, but yeah. they can't see it because of the people in the way, you know? So anywho. Um, so yeah, man, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, I love it. Um, as you're kind of, as we take all of this into consideration, your path, your story, some of the, 
the pieces we talked about with trauma and deconstruction and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you're sitting in front of somebody who's like, I have no idea what my purpose is or where to even find it. How do you point them towards Jesus? And then what, what um, advice would you give somebody who's trying to figure out who they're supposed to be? Yeah. Man, those that there's like three questions in there. Yes. Let's see if I could <laughs> answer that quickly. Um, yeah. So the the first first and foremost is is and I will always return to this, and I've said it a few times, is that uniting with Christ is first and foremost. So mm. uh, Jesus only walks three miles an hour. Sometimes when we're looking for purpose, we're looking for calling. We we try and outpace Jesus in it. Yeah. And so walking with Jesus, that's why Jesus uses, you know, the metaphor yoke so right. that there's a, there's a walking together. So, so, and with that, man, you'll go through seasons of reassignments. You'll go through seasons of growth that change your direction. Like one of the things right now yeah. is God's giving me new opportunities in the realm of speaking uh, about religious trauma that I never had before, but I think I had to grow through a lot of things right. to get there. You'll grow through things um, as you walk. Um, I think that I think that those are kind of the the biggest things I would say. I think I would also go as far as to say is that that God God has wired you specifically for a reason. He walks you through things. That, I mean, James one, Hebrews twelve tell us even in the hard times, the trials, He's forming perseverance yeah. to, to to form character. So you right. have to like walk through the stuff to get there. Um, and God already knows what he's doing, what he's going to do, um, where you're going to be. And so like none of it's a shock to him. It's just yeah. sometimes just a shock to us. Yeah. And so I think, I think in sometimes instead of digging, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my calling? What's my calling? It's to just say, you know what? I'm going to walk at this moment in step with Jesus and as he does his thing, there'll be aha moments he calls me yeah. into. And like for me, some of those aha moments, I'm like, no, God, that's not how I'm wired. Right. You know, like, <laughs> but he, it's not a shock to him. He's not, yeah. you yeah. know, it, it might be a shock to me. It's not a shock to him. So, right. yeah. Right. That's so good, man. That's good. I, um, you know, I told, told you a minute ago where we're kind of getting ready to move back towards where, uh, where our family is. And, yeah. um, I, when we left, it was been seven years. And when we left, um, I was like never coming back, you know, like I didn't want to go back there. I didn't like the weather. I didn't like the, this, the surroundings, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, about January of, of 23, I started feeling this pull and God's like, it's, it's time to go back. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound right at all. And, uh, it's been, it's been a six, seven month process. And now I like, can't wait. You know, and even though, um, even though I fought it, he's like, he stayed, he stayed faithful the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was never like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like he just, he pursued me and, and continued to encourage me towards that and stuff like that. So I would add to that, you know, like I would say that a lot of times we do find, um, purpose through our painful experiences. You know, yeah. it's the pain that we walk through that prepares us to help other people walk through it. And that can, you know, sometimes lead us exactly where God's got us going so absolutely yeah i mean um yeah that's awesome so good hey um before we jump off of here one i'm gonna do another combo question so here's two two questions pick whichever order you want to do um one just kind of tell us you know uh where we can find you or how we can get connected to you 
Uh, we'll put all, all your links in the show notes too, but just uh, so people know where to connect with you if they want to. And then if you have any parting uh, wisdom, anything else to add to the conversation before we go, uh, I'd love to hear that as well. Yep. Let me let me let me see what happens with the parting wisdom. So I'll hold that off. I'm like, I had a hard time sleeping last night, so my oh, man, my, no good. my 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 wisdom mechanisms are not. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you could find me. I, I'm on Instagram, just David underscore Rubelid, and if you put in the show notes, you can figure out how yeah, to sure. you know spell my my crazy yeah. last name. Uh, so <laughs> underscore Rubelid. Uh, I'm on I'm on Facebook. You could also go to DavidRubelid Though my my website's in this weird morph now from it was artist David into right. trying to figure out what's what's happening with it. So just you. know that there's it, it's kind of a uh, it, it's it, yeah, it's, work in it's progress. Not, yeah, yeah, it's a work in progress <laughs> if you go there. But Instagram is where I I probably function the most. Okay, um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Parting wisdom. I'll, I'll just continue to go back to uh, to. Walking with Jesus, finding who you are in Jesus, yeah. um, everything flows out of that. Our 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 community flows out of that. It's kind of like you know, if you're a fan of a sports team, uh, you find your identity in the fact that you love that team. You find community right. around people that enjoy that same team, and then you just live it out by wearing the stuff and putting bumper stickers and telling people. Same thing with our faith is that the outpouring of our faith is the way God moves us within our calling and how we function in that. But who who we love is what we find our identity, we find our community, yeah. and then we're led to live that out in that. So I would just say, press into Jesus, press into Jesus, walk with Jesus. So, yeah. That's awesome. Very good. Well, I second that, press into Jesus. I love it. Great <laughs> advice, great wisdom. And uh, man, thank you so much for being here. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. Man, that was a great conversation that went from... Uh, purpose to deconstruction and back to purpose again. And I was just so excited to kind of lean into some of those topics. Uh, first of all, I love what David said about the fact that, you know, Jesus only walked three miles an hour and we're called to be yoked to him, to follow him, to walk with him. Um, a lot of times as we're looking for our purpose, we begin to outpace Jesus. We begin to get ahead of him. We begin to focus on us instead of on him and who he's called us to be. And so in each of these situations, we need to stop, slow down, we need to lean into who Jesus is, let him speak life over us, let him speak into us, and let him lead us to be who we're called to be. Um, sometimes in this, in this world, we feel like we have to know all the answers right now, but we don't. What we need to know is who Jesus is, how much he loves us, and that he has a purpose for us. He has the plans. He's the one that decides who we are. He's the one that guides our steps and directs our path. So, if you're struggling for purpose, if you're struggling to figure out who you are, lean in and learn more about who Jesus is. Lean in and learn more about what he says about you. Uh, read more scripture. Read more um, things about him. Just find out more of who Jesus is. And even if you feel like you know, even if you feel like you're super familiar with him, uh, continue leaning into him. He's going he's gonna to show you the path. And then two, uh, at the end there, we talked about how oftentimes our purpose is revealed through our pain. There's a lot of scenarios that we've lived through um, that really can help us point to purpose. For David, it was some of the, tra um, the trauma that he experienced growing up in a fundamentalist background um, that pointed him towards who God has called him to be and has allowed him to minister to people who are hurting in the same way. It's allowed him to help people walk through that journey, process that pain. Um, it's helped him to figure out 
who God's called him to be. And it all came from some of the pain that he's experienced in his life. And at the same time, a lot of his uh, purpose came from some of the successes. You know, it's not all about pain. It's about finding what we love and finding where our joy is and finding where we're, what we're good at. Um, all of those things point us forward. So whether it's pain or success, just know that God is using everything uh, that we experience to prepare us to lead the life that he's called us to live. Um, and I want to just encourage you as well, just like David did, a lot of times our pain is, is a result of people. And the people that cause that pain can, can kind of block our view of who Jesus actually is. Um, and a lot of times that is the reason why um, people have a hard time leaning into him when they are in pain. Um, and so I want to encourage you, if you are in pain, don't push away the person that can bring healing. Don't push away the healer because of your pain. Don't push away the healer because people cause that pain. Look past the people that hurt you and see that Jesus is there waiting to bring healing and bring hope and bring health uh, to that situation. So many times, um, as we talked about even David's own reconstruction or deconstruction journey, um, the goal is to just get out, to get out of the pain, to get out of that place where, uh, where we hurt. But when we lean in, when we, again, when we see who Jesus is, when we allow him to love us and allow him to point us to what is true and what is right and what is holy, in those times we can rebuild that faith in an authentic way, in a true way. And when we do that, we can connect with it on a much deeper level. So if you are, if you're hurting, if you've been hurt by someone, man, let, let Jesus be the one that heals you. Let him speak over you. Let him bring peace and hope and joy uh, and know that he is faithful to do that. So, again, use that pain. Allow, allow God to point you forward through that season. It will be worth it. It will be worth it, I promise. There's somebody out there that will benefit greatly because you allow God to use your pain to point someone else to him. I know for me, my own life, that's been true. I've had so many opportunities to minister to people, to love people, because I've experienced the same hurt that they have. Just know that it's all for a purpose. Nothing's wasted. God doesn't waste any experience. He doesn't waste any of our pain. He doesn't waste any um, of our relationships or moments. He's faithful to use them for his glory, for your purpose. Thanks for listening to This Awesome Life, a collection of stories that point to purpose. To stay connected to This Awesome Life, check out the show notes. That's where you're going to find the This Awesome Life blog. You'll find the newsletter, and you'll find all the information about my new book, Magic in the Mug. You can also find my social media links down there if you want to connect with me in that way. Uh, I'd love to see you there. Uh, if you love This Awesome Life, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. And once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on This Awesome Life.